Hi, welcome to the Refuge House Church podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impart their word for Christ. So here is what we need you to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. In prayer, is that not? All right, contending in prayer. Luke chapter 18. Glory to God. Okay. Luke chapter 18. We're reading from verses um, 1 to verse 8. All right? Luke 18. Are we there? All right. Luke 18, verse 1 to 8. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always mind under line that word always keep it in mind men ought to what always to pray and not offend so what was the purpose of this parable that men ought to pray i want i'm asking a question what is the purpose of the parable that men ought to pray sorry thank you because when you say men ought to pray, you've taken out a key word in the statement that changes the way you look at it. Jesus is not just talking about prayer. He said that he spake a parable unto them to this end. Sometimes we sprint through scriptures and we miss a lot of things. That men ought to always to pray. Always. Everybody say always. First Thessalonians 5 says, pray ever, pray always. Cease not praying. Alright? Now, he now begins to tell us what the parable is. And there are several characters in the parable. And those characters are helping us understand why we contend in prayer. When we started teaching this, we said that if we are going to produce the will of God in our life and in the earth, we have to do what? Contend in prayer. Everybody say contend in prayer. And the word content means to wrestle. There are things you need to deal with in the place of prayer. And we saw those things reflective in the life of Jesus. Without contending in prayer to overcome all the hindrances that needs to be addressed, the will of God cannot be produced in our life. So, one of the most important aspects of our prayer life and our prayer time, whether we're praying personally or we're praying generally because those two aspects of prayer must be effective in your life as a Christian. Say, no, I just pray on my own. Then something is wrong because Jesus didn't just pray on his own. He prayed on his own and he prayed together with the disciples. The early church prayed individually and they prayed together. They, they had what the Bible called a time for prayer every day. They would go and meet and pray every day. So, if, if you don't participate in general prayer you are missing out on one of the very important instructions that God gave to the church because something is missing out in your life 
Okay, so he gave us the character to illustrate why we contend in prayer. We have the character of the unjust judge and the character of the widow. Now, let's read from verse 2. And there was in the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. The Bible has given us the characteristic of this judge. He doesn't fear God. He doesn't regard man. That tells you that the man must be a very stubborn, self-centered slob. Verse 3. And there was a widow in that city, second character, and she came unto him saying, Avenge me of my adversary. Avenge me of my adversary. In other words, she needed justice from her enemies. And the judge has been the one the instituted authority to provide justice. So she went to the man. Verse 4. And the Bible tells us the man's response initially. And he would not for a while. In other words, he ignored her. It was her right. She was doing the right thing. She was being legal in her approach. Yet, the one who was supposed to provide this justice was ignoring her. He said he would not for a while. Watch this. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man. What a terrible man to be in a position like that. There's nothing as horrible as having a crook in power. All right? And he would not for a while. But afterwards, one, one thing I thank God for this widow, she didn't give up. Tell anybody, say, never give up. Tell anybody, say, quitters never win. And winners never quit. Say that, say, quitters never win. And winners never quit. You know, the Bible says, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Many believers give up too early and too quick. One small provocation, you give up. You're gone. Jesus said, no, don't. This woman will not give up. The man acknowledged, he said, though he would not for after, okay, though he would, okay, and he would not for a while, but after what he said within himself, though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubled me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual calling she, she weary me. Alright? Verse 6. And what, listen what Jesus said. He said, hear what the unjust judge said. Shall, and shall not God. Please pay attention to verse 7. And 8. And shall not God avenge his own elect. Which cry day and night unto him. Though he beareth long with them. Understanding verse 17 of this parable, it's important to your prayer life. All right? Verse 8. He said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Praise God. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Hallelujah. Now, <coughs> quick, quick. Recap. There are some things you need to keep in mind about the parable as we proceed in contention in prayer. We said that the unjust judge is not a picture of God. What did I say? Mm -mm. I bet some people who, 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 who try to preach from this passage of the Bible and said God is like the unjust judge. You need to pray hard. You need to push hard. You need to bombard the gates of heaven. You need to tell God you will not sleep. You will not rest. No. God doesn't even sleep. He doesn't need sleep. 
is, is, is nature does, is you and I that need sleep. Because we have a body. God is spirit. And he doesn't need to sleep. Alright? So, so we need to bombard. And, and the problem with that kind of picture or orientation is that it, is, it seems to sell you this idea that God is withholding something from you. And if you study your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God is not withholding anything from us. The issue is with our receiving. Do you understand that? The problem is what? Our receiving. Because God is always willing. The Bible explains this in, in Ephesians 3.20. It said, now to him who is able to do exceedingly. You know what exceedingly means? Much more. More than we can ask or even think. So, God is able, number one, and exceedingly surpasses what you can ask or think. What God is willing to do is much bigger than what so. That means God says, I can even give you more than what you ask. That's me. So, God is not holding your breakthrough. God is not holding your job. He's not holding your money. Is giving you everything in Christ. Say amen. amen. Ephesians 1 3 says, Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Blessed us with what? All spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. In who? In Christ. And Christ in you is the expectation of his glory. Say amen. amen. So in Christ, he has blessed you. He didn't withhold anything. Romans 8 says that if God did not spare his son, he will with him give you all things. Glory to God. So does the story here of the unjust, this particular parable, the unjust judge is not God. Are you hearing me? The unjust judge is a metaphor for hindrances you and I encounter in the place of prayer. You know what a metaphor is? You did some English, is that not so? Okay. What what is you know what they call uh, figures of they call it figures of speech or something? Yeah. What, what, when they say something is a figure of speech, that means you use certain um, illustrations to explain and express or communicate. A metaphor, it's a figure of speech. You you try to use a symbol or a person or something that has certain characteristic to illustrate a point. That's what the metaphor is. Now, if you look at the story and you look at some of the characteristics about the unjust judge, he doesn't fear God. Is that not true? He doesn't regard man. Is that not true? He ignores. He's a snob. He didn't want to listen to the woman. He likes withholding. I don't know. Maybe that satisfies his ego or pride. All right? So, the, the unjust judge in the parable is a metaphor for hindrances you and I need to contend with. And those hindrances are not coming from God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because th th there's a way you think about God that can become a hindrance to you. That's what the word of God needs to renew your mind so you don't adopt a mindset about God that introduces a delay factor into your life and into your expectation. Because there are some delays you are now having that are illegal. They are, not, they are not destiny. They are not divine. They are just product of ignorance. That's when, when you come to church, listen to the word of God and allow the word of God renew your mind. Say amen. amen. 
All right, so it's a metaphor for hindrances. And, and we call these hindrances, there are internal aspects of the hindrances, and there are what? External aspects of the hindrances. I hope you know this widow woman had to deal with the judge on two levels. How I many of you know that? He had to deal with the physical judge, which was going to the court every day to demand uh, that she gets justice. That's the physical judge. But she also needed to deal with the internal judge. Cerebral said the internal judge. Though that internal judge is in her mind. That pressure to give up because the man was not responding to her. I mean, if you know what I'm talking. You think she would have heard several voices in her mind. Why are you going? Maybe some, some you know, like you'd be thinking, why are you going? This thing is not working. The man is not even giving you attention. The Bible said the man did not listen to her for a while. That why could be one week. It could be one month. It could be several months. It could even be a year. It could be more than a year. But one thing was clear. The woman was determined to get justice. Say amen. amen. The woman was not willing to give up. She was not willing to give in. She was going to stand until she secures justice over her adversary. One thing is clear about this woman. The woman was not going to settle for the oppression of her adversary. She was not going to allow her enemy to have his way or sway over her. And the widow is a picture of the believer. Because Jesus is teaching something about prayer. And remember what he said in verse 1. Jesus spake a parable that men ought to always to pray and not to do what? To give up or to faint. The word faint means to give up. So Jesus is saying that we must stay in the place of prayer until we bring down the unjust judge. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the unjust judge represents hindrances you and I will deal with in the place of prayer. There are hindrances to address in the place of prayer. Because if you don't address those hindrances, they will prevent the will of God from being manifested in your life. Are you listening to what I'm saying? There are internal, and, and I like to call those hindrances the unjust judge. They don't want, they will not go except you make them go. Are you hearing me? Because some of those, especially the internal one, they are wearing the cloth of your mind and your words. They look like you. They sound like you. They behave like you. And you may think that they are part of you. They are not part of you. They are in disguise. They are in camouflage, disguising as your voice, disguising as your thoughts, disguising as your words. If you put up with them, you will never step into your breakthrough. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Look at your neighbor say, refuse to give up. Tap your neighbor. Say, neighbor, look at me. Say, refuse to give up in the place of prayer. Tell them, say, learn to fight your way through. Say, learn to, give, say, learn to fight your way through. Now, we said these hindrances have internal and external angle. And, and these hindrances are also called strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Yeah, the stronghold. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a fortress. It's in those old medieval times where when you have a country that has a stronghold, that means they have well-fortified fences with 
huge walls, walls, huge walls. Their fences are made of huge walls. So it's not very easy for enemies to penetrate through. If you've read the story of Troy, Troy was a city um, that had one of the most impregnable fortresses. And, and they couldn't get in. So the only way these guys could enter was to present a gift of a Trojan horse. That's where they, they, they term the virus thing from. The Trojan horse was like a gift, and the king liked the gift. The problem was that inside the Trojan horse, there were enemies that were planning to take them down. So when they accepted the Trojan horse without checking it, I mean, how can you wake up and you see a gift in front of your defense and, and you just accept it? As soon as the horse entered, the enemies came out and they took down the city from inside. The enemy understand that the way to bring anybody down begins from within. If you can do damage to your mind, you will do damage to your life. Do you understand that? You know, the children of Israel had a problem. They were in bondage for 430 years. The most painful part and destructive part of the bondage was not the physical torture. I'm very sure if, for instance, you were to be living in that day and you were an Egyptian and you saw the way they were beating, um, they were beating the Egyptians for them to walk, you probably feel sorry for them. But, but the physical torture and the beating cannot be compared to the mental affliction they were putting on them. Because even after God delivered them, you know, after 430 years, they were still thinking like Egyptians. They were still thinking like slaves. There are many of you, you have a slavish mentality. That's why you keep going back to the same mistake over and over and over again. It's just like someone in an abusive relationship. The, the, the person is beating her, but she keeps going back and back and back. There's a story uh, Bingo shared on his platform recently. Mommy was reading it for me, read it again to my sister yesterday when we were coming from Saple. He said that he was in Abuja for a garden like the one he had in church, and two couples came, well, a couple hmm, came to see him, man and a woman, and he was saying, it's, it's funny how this unjust judge works in the mind. He just said, sir, this is, I want you to pray for him. He's having stagnation in his life. Nothing is moving. Everything is just upside down. I, I, want, I, I, need, I want you to pray for him that God will give him a breakthrough. Does that not sound, does that not sound I mean, nice? Innocent? Does he not? As I was talking, when I just looked at him, and the Holy Ghost gave him a word of knowledge, and he said, hey, he said, this man is not your husband. So you are sleeping with him. You have three children. One of the children is from this man. The guy stood in a certain message and he looked at him. Then he now said to the he now said to the man, You don't love her. You're just using her because you have a plan. And once you get the plan, you will dump her. Call a long story short. It turned out that what he said was true. So the man said, well, you know, my husband is this, my husband is that. My husband is gay, my husband is B. My husband doesn't get me. My husband doesn't understand me. Blah, 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 blah. So what I was planning is that when he succeeds, goes abroad, settles down, she too will relocate. 
divorce the husband and go and join him. Have you understand why people think like that? It's called the unjust judge of oppression. He was there and told him, he said, the man, will, the, man, the man doesn't love you. Then the man told Benga. He said, I told him when he had that third one to, div, to abort the baby. She refused. So he carried the baby and gave to the man that is part of the child. So he told them they should come later. They came. I think, okay, I think they left. Then, I think later the next day, um, the, this time the woman came with her husband, the real husband now. And they wanted to see him. So she was weeping uncontrollably, crying, sobbing deeply and all that. And they, they was, what's the problem? He said she left. He said the moment they left him yesterday, the guy dumped him. The car she bought for him. She, the guy threw the key at him, at her, and walked away. He said, can you imagine that guy? He left me. He was crying, kept crying, crying, crying. The other one said, calm down now, calm down. It's okay, I've forgiven you, no problem. It's all right, let it go. Uh -uh. He was looking at the man. Let it go. He said, that young man is an ungrateful person. That young man is an ungrateful The old man said, it's okay, let it go. I forgive you, it's not a problem, let's continue. When I said, he said, something is wrong with the way this man is just forgiving. Something is not right. <laughs> he now looked at the man. He said, she has done this before. He might say, yes, actually, this is her third one. Third lover that she has driven away. Say third one. He said, yes, say she has done it before. This is the third one. Everybody say the third one. Uh -huh. Say the third one. And she kept crying, saying, I'm grateful, blah, blah, blah. He not told, told the man, he said, she's not crying because of you, that she broke your heart to her. She's crying because the guy walked out on her. Then the Holy Spirit now told him about the man. He said, Are you forgive her? He said, yeah, it's no problem. He said, you know about this. He said, yes. He said, our father knows. So when it happened the first time, he told the father, and the father is a minister, big name. Father now said, please, I beg you. Gave him money, gave him, two, I think, two plots or so of land in Abuja. This happened in Abuja. And said, if you can manage this and not talk, I'll be giving you money at regular interval, take plot of land bill, just manage my daughter. So the guy said, okay, no problem, he took it. He said, if it's that one, I forgive him. Anything, what do you do? <laughs> but Ben Ghana said, that's not the story. Say you have a wife too. And you have children. He said, it's true. So where the land is, the man has another wife and has children there. See, that's a messed up life. Is that not so? Some of you are like that, I know. You keep walking back to your abuse. Now, if you do not address the unjust judge in your heart, in your imagination, it will keep sabotaging what you're doing on the outside. I'm sure this lady may be working in an oil company, any money, big place. But the unjust judge in her mind is ruining our life. Wasting resources, wasting life, wasting time, wasting our energy, wasting our 
years. The adversary is tormenting her, denying her the justice of her peace, her rest, her progress. That's why you need to fight it. And you know there's something about the unjust judge. If any of you have read what I sent this, today is our 14 days of prayer. I don't know if some of you read. But if you're going to be a successful Christian, you must learn to read. What did I say? Reading is not for people that go to school. Say, go read now, not I'm going to read. There's nothing like Tom. You read for life. Because if you don't read, you're going to stay ignorant on a lot of things. There is a difference between casting that devil and resisting the devil. Did you hear what I said? 14 days we'll be praying in tongues, making confessions of the word. Some of you didn't even bother at all. That's, that's you. Because the unjust judge inside you will fight you. He will not want you to do it. He will make sure you have enough distraction and business around you so you don't engage in actions of changes that will dethrone him. He will not allow you. He won't allow you to pray. He won't allow you to read your Bible. He won't allow you to meditate. He won't allow you to even obey instructions. That's the unjust church. That's what he does. Jesus wanted to go and die on the cross and he was confronted with something I'm going to introduce you to, which is our first level of warfare. Which every human being will face because Adam introduced it. Because that's what gives power to the unjust judge. What I'm going to tell you, the first level of warfare we deal with in the place of prayer is what gives power to the unjust judge. And I told you the unjust judge is a metaphor for hindrances. Is that not so? Internal and external hindrances. We must address. We don't overcome them, brothers and sisters. You can't step into the will of God for your life. Your life, would, in some, you may notice that in some areas of your life you are progressing. In some other areas of your life you are just spinning around in circles and circles and circles and circles. Why? Because you've not decided to address the unjust judge. So I said, casting that devil and resisting the devil are different. Mark 6, 17 says, in my name you shall do what? You shall cast out devils. That word cast out means to drive out devils. That refers to what John 14, 12 says. Jesus said, if you believe in me, the works that I do, shall you what? Shall you do also. Glory to God. Amen. So you shall cast out devil. It means you will drive out demons. When you meet people who are possessed of the devil, out in the name of Jesus, through the authority of the name of Jesus, you can drive them out. But James chapter 4 verse 7 says, submit yourself. Please pay attention to this. Everybody listen to what I'm about to say. Workers, pay attention. He said, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will what? He will flee. Then he says in the next verse, draw near to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your heart, you sinners, purify your heart, you double-minded ones. Now, What's the difference between casting out devil and resisting the devil? Casting out devil, like I said, is doing the works of Jesus, driving it out of other people. Resisting the devil is different. The meaning of the word resist means to take a stand. Everybody say to take a stand. I didn't hear you. I did not hear you. What does it mean to take a stand? The word take a stand is much more than what you say. It simply means you have renewed your mind in an area. You've changed how you are thinking in that area. Which tells me that there is a way I think that can give place to the devil in my life. Is that not true? 
You know the Bible says, give no place to the devil. So that means it's possible for a Christian to give place to the devil. And how does the Christian do that? By the way he thinks. The way you think, write this down, is your stand. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thought, your thinking, how you think is your stand. Because it's from your thinking your actions are generated. It's from your thinking your words are generated. It's from your thinking your behaviors are generated. It's from how you think. So the devil's interest is getting a hold of your mind. I want to ask you a question. What's the stand in your mind? You can be say, devil, I bind you, but in your mind you have, you have taken a stand that keeps inviting the devil back. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Yeah. So when he says, when the Bible says, resist the devil, you can only resist the devil by taking a stand. And you secure that stand from submitting to God. How do you submit to God? Prayer. If my people that are called by my name shall what? Humble themselves. And pray. And seek my face. So, one of the key ways you submit yourself to God is in the place of prayer. Because it's in the place of prayer you fellowship and submit and engage the word. And the word will bring the understanding that renews your mind. And until your mind is changed, bro, there are Christians who go to church every Sunday, but in their mind, Satan is living there. In fact, they've even created a duplex for him inside their mind. He's busy giving orders there. They speak in Tongo, but the devil is giving orders about their health. They speak in Tongo, but the devil is giving orders about their finances. They speak in Tongo, but the devil is running their relationships. They speak in tongue, but the devil is running their health. They speak in tongue, the devil is in charge of a lot of activities that are going on in their life. And until the word of God, why do you think the Bible says, be not conformed to this world? Do you know what it means to be conformed? It means to be controlled. When you're conformed to something, it means you're controlled by it. You are regulated by it. You are supervised by it. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. So what conforms us to the world is what is in our mind. Ask your neighbor, what do you think? Some of you didn't obey what I said. I said, ask your neighbor, what is in your mind? What do you think? Ask your neighbor, say, what do you think? I know some of you, your faces are very pretty. Your faces are very handsome. You look very sweet and nice. But the issue is what is in your mind? What are you thinking right now? Because it is what you think that decides what will eventually play out in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Satan understands this very well. All he seeks to do is to control and gain access to the minds of men so he can define their belief system. Because what you believe determines what you become. What's your mind stand? Ask your neighbor, what's your mind stand? See, when we say mentality or mindset, it simply means mind stand. Your mind stand is your stand. Because what your mind accepts. You know the Bible says in 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you would prosper and do what? Be in health even as your soul 
prosper. So that means if you have a mind stand that is against your spiritual position in Christ, you cannot manifest. If you have a mind stand of failure, no matter what you do, you will fail because you have taken a stand for failure. Ask your neighbor, what is your mind stand? See, one of the things that our current generation has done for us, you know, this technology, we've been given easy access to information. When I did my project in school, I graduated in 1997. Somebody saw me yesterday, uh, Uchi, went to go. The guy, it was one of the photographers that came, you know, and the guy was, and I noticed he was looking at me. I didn't talk, so I kept quiet. He said, excuse me, sir, were you in Futu? I said, yes. He said, something word fellowship. I said, triumphant word fellowship. <laughs> he said, I remember you. I said, what's your name? He said, don't even bother by my name. I, I know you, but you don't, know, you don't know me. So I smiled. Tell him, I said, what's your mind stand? That's where the devil is beating many believers. Because that's where the war is. What is your mind stand? I want you to leave this meeting today and ask yourself a question. Your struggles are coming from your mind stand. What is framing the way you think? Is it the word of God? Or is it your own experiences? Or is it your own effort? What's your mind stand? How do you think? How do you function? Your struggles are coming from your mind stand. You think it's people, it's not people, it's the way you are thinking. When people say, I'm just so stressed up, I'm just stressed. And the Holy Spirit taught me this years ago. He says, stress is self-made. Nobody is stressing you. You are the one stressing yourself. I was like, he said, I said, he said you are the one, nobody. Nobody says you. Give no place. You are giving place. You are the one. There's a way you think now you start having a headache. I mean, if you know that. You, you, have you seen that? To tell you that there's a strong connection between your mind and your health. There's a way you think now you start having a headache. There's a sick way of thinking. Then before you know it, everything around you becomes sick. A Bible says, a, the heart deferred, uh, hope deferred, make it the heart sick. Do you know what it means for hope to defer? It means disappointed expectation. Disappointed expectation means I was expecting something which is mind-based, and I'm not seeing it, and now it's affecting me. What's your mind stand? How are you thinking? There are many who come to church, the mind standing them has built a fortress. And even when the word of God is coming, they don't want to receive the word. It would be my turn to tell them, you know, you know you are a very private person. You know you don't like people to come around you. You know you like to do your own thing secretly. You know you don't like to greet people. You like to be your own. Your own, you just come to church. Once service close, you go. You don't interact with anybody. Mind your business. When you, when, when you bring people close, things always happen to you. Bad things happen to you. Remember all the people that were your close friends. They betrayed you. They lied on you. They disappointed you. So you need to be careful. Because you cannot trust any human being. Human beings are very funny. They are like devils. And the, the one that is saying it to you, what is it? Your mind stand. You had, you had a terrible experience. Now, every situation is an opportunity the enemy uses to create a mind stand in us. Or you believe in God for a child and the devil just tells you, you know, it's because of the way you lived before. All those abortions that you did, you have wasted your baby. Who told you? Where did that come from? And you begin to believe it. Say, no, it's my sin. Then 
then my question I usually tell them, what is the blood of Jesus for? Are you hearing what I'm saying? What's the essence of the blood of Jesus? Why did Jesus shed his blood on the cross? He was aware of the frailty of humanity. But when you come to him and you believe him, his blood speaks for you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? But Satan wants you to be in guilt, condemnation, and shame. See, the reason why these things happened to you because what happened to you in the past. All the abuses you had, all the disappointments you had, all the people that walked out on you, all those failed relationships, you will never marry again. You ne- all those are the unjust judge. But because they are wearing the clothes of the fashion of your experience, of your experiences, your past and everything, they, they, they look like you, but they are not you. It's an enemy and it's got to go. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why some young people are not married. Tomorrow come. As some of you young guys, I'm looking at you in church. You don't want to marry. You will be 50 years, you won't marry. The way you are going. You will not marry. 50 years. You now become OD. You know, just OD. Say, see, all these guests, they are no good guests. You, are you good? All these guests of today, they are very funny. What of you, old man? Let me leave that. I don't want to enter that one. Praise God. <laughs> Just come tomorrow. Hallelujah. I said glory to God. Alright. So we will now understand who the strong man is, don't we? Alright. So we said the strong man is a metaphor for internal and external hindrances. Is that not so? Huh? We get that clear. Alright. So there's internal stronghold. And internal strongholds refers to those mind stand or mindset. Those acquired way of thinking. Now, let, 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 me, let me say this. We're going to look at that shortly. But, but look at verse 7 of the parable. If you can go to verse 7, please, on the screen. Let me read it from my Bible. My Bible is here. Verse 7. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry what? Day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. It is important you interpret this aspect of the parable correctly. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Now, what does it mean? Because when you look at it, now you're going to have a problem with this if you think that God is the unjust judge in the parable. It will seem to suggest that God is ignoring you. He wants you to pray. He wants you to fast more. He wants you to pray. You are not praying more. You are not, you are not looking serious. Pray, 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 pray. Jesus did not do that to the disciples, so don't invent it. That's not what the Bible is saying. Jesus is saying, hear what the unjust just said in verse 6. The next statement he made, he said, shall not go. So he's making a difference, a contrast. The unjust judge will not listen to the widow for a while. Is that not what the Bible said? He won't pay. He won't pay attention. Because I've noticed something. Oppression is very stubborn. How many of you know that? Yeah. When something is a bondage, if you want to know how oppression works, go read the Egyptian story. You will notice how Pharaoh held on to the children of Israel and didn't want them to go. Held them! Several times he lied to Moses because Satan does not like to let his captives go. But praise God, Jesus has liberated us. Amen. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 13 says, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. Say, I have been delivered. delivered. Can you say that like you have been delivered? delivered. 
You've been delivered. So your freedom has been secured. Use it. Amen. Use it. Use it. Walk out of the prison. You're free. Glory to God. So it says, <clears throat> Shall God not avenge his soul, which cried day and night unto him? Though he bear long. You may read this verse and say, because it's, it's, I'm very sure I'm not praying the way I should pray. No, 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 no. Don't start thinking like that. What does the Bible mean? God bearing long with them. The word to bear, write this down, simply means to persevere patiently. To persevere patiently. Another word for that two word is the word to bear. Shall not God bear with them? I want you to look at this verse from a compassion eye. Say amen. Look at it from where? From compassion. Why is God persevering patiently for you? You think God enjoys it when you struggle? Write this down. God does not enjoy it when you struggle. Anything that gives you pain doesn't give God delight. Do you understand that? It's not the devil. He said, I've come that you might have life and you may have it what? So God is not against your good. Every good and perfect gift cometh from where? From above. From who? The father of life. James 1.17. So God does not get any glory in your pain. That's why sickness, disease, poverty is not from God and can never be from God. What tortures your life can never be from God. Because when God gave the, the, the earth to man, you know, handed the dominion of the earth to man, according to Genesis 1.31, it was in a very good condition. There was no poverty. There was no devil. There was no demons. There was no sickness. There was no disease. There was no infirmity. The earth was in a very good condition. That's what happened. So, why, why would God bear love? I want you to see the word bear as God persevering patiently for you and I until we get what needs to be gotten right. Tell the neighbor, say, God is forbearing. You didn't hear what I said. Say, God is forbearing. You know, you know what Peter said? He said, many of you think that God is very slack concerning his promise. Say, God is not slack. Say, but God is long-suffering. He's waiting for you to get it right. Lift your hand and say, Father, thank you for that. I was thanking God some few days ago. I said, Father, thank you for the privilege of making a mistake and living to learn from it. Some people die with their mistake. How many of you know that? It's a privilege. Some people don't even live to learn from the mistake. Peter said, God is not slack. L let me show you that place in the Bible. Go to First Peter. I think it's the um, book of First Peter. Hallelujah. I think First Peter, slack. No one says slack concerning his promise. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 9. Amen. Are you there? Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. Can we, can, we, can we read it together if you are there? Second Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9. Hallelujah. What does it say? The Lord is not slack. Say, say God is not slack. That means God not a drag leg. 
as the vernacular way of looking at it. God is not slack. Tell nobody say God is not slack. So when the Bible says God bears long with them, God is not slack consigning his promise. But why? As some men count slackness. No. He said, but it's long suffering to us word. That word long suffering is another word for bear. He beareth long with them. Why long suffering? Not willing that any should do what should perish. God understands. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to die in that condition, but I want you to repent. What does repent mean? It means to change your mind. Repentance means what? Is repentance does not mean I am sorry. Hey, I was, that's called remorse. You can say I'm sorry and you will do it again. Repentance means the thought sponsoring that action is removed and replaced. Do you know you do not change until the way you think change? Do you know that? Eh? Do you know that? You don't change until the way you think change. And write this down. How you think is a choice. What you think is a choice. That's why you have a will. So if you are stubborn, it's because you choose to be one. You can change. Because change is available. The choice to change is ours, but the power to change is the Holy Ghost. But until you choose for change, or you choose to repent, the power to repent or change will not be given to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say with me, say the choice for change belongs to me. I didn't hear everybody. Yeah. So why, why is God buried long with them? Because God wants us to do what? To repent. Everybody say to repent. repent. Say to repent. repent. Why repent? To address the unjust judge, displace the unjust judge in your mind, so that his word will become the new judge. Say amen. All right? So get it clear. So, and, and there are some things I needed to deal with that will help us appreciate that. I said, why was God patiently persevering with them? That though he buried along with them, why, why was God doing that? And, and two questions people will usually ask is that, you know, the reason why God is, you know, this thing, this delay, they use the word delay, but God doesn't call it delay. He calls it long suffering. He calls it bearing long. So what you call delay is God giving you an opportunity to repent. Say amen. amen. See, that, that delay you are facing in your life is not God withholding your answer from you. God is waiting for you to repent so you can connect with the answer that he has already given more than 2,000 years ago. Every miracle you need from God has already been released 2,000 years ago. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Hello? Yeah. So, but, but there's a way you are thinking now that is putting you outside the alignment and place to receive the manifestation of what has been blessed into your life. So God is waiting for that repentance, that shift in your mind that will bring you into direct agreement with what he has given you. That's what God is waiting for. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right? So there are two questions people ask. Why, why, why does this thing seem to be taking long? Some will say, maybe God is teaching me a lesson. Have you heard people talk like that before? Say, God is using this situation to teach me a lesson. The answer is no. You know why the answer is no? And, and not only is it no, you should stop thinking like that. Because it's not scriptural. The word is the only heaven-approved teacher. What teaches? I didn't hear everybody. What teaches? 
what teaches I want you to say that everybody say that what teaches us and I, I, I now went to that and I learned my lesson no you didn't learn any lesson if it's not the word that produced what you learned, you didn't learn, you will do it again. It will happen to you again. Because it's only the word that can change your mind. And once your mind is changed, your posture changes, and that stops it. Why is it that there are some things that you cannot be tempted with? Because you don't think like that. If you didn't grow around people who smoke, and smoke regularly, and be exposed to smoking, even if a smoker comes with a cigarette and passes you, you will not be tempted to go and buy a cigarette. Will you do that? Because it's not in you. You've not smoked. You've not lived that life. So your mind has not been designed and fashioned that way. So it's not a temptation for you. You're not waking up wondering, ah, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I will have, no, because it's not part of you. Satan can't tempt you with smoking because your lust is not there. But if you have been smoking before, you've not only smoked cigar, you smoke weed. You smoke India hemp. You smoke all the smokables. And you now got born again. And you are not serving Jesus. And you now pass where somebody is just boom, 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 like, a, like a chimney coming out. Something inside you will want to wake up. But you say no. If you don't know the word, you will want to get up again. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So the reason you will not respond it's because you've repented. A truth from Jesus' word has replaced that lie in your mind. So you don't respond to it anymore. Until you repent, you will keep responding. So the only way to stop responding to the advances of the flesh is repentance. Do you understand what I mean? So God is not teaching you from a stop saying that. I know, I know God is trying to teach me something now. I know, Lord, what are you teaching me? What are, my friend, go and sit down in the word. All right? There's another question people also ask also. You know, maybe God is trying to test me and to see my faith. You know, God is trying to test me to see my faith. As if there's something about you God doesn't know. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Please listen to me. God does not test us with situations. Are you hearing me? Situations are the harvest of choices. What did I say? It is the product of the harvest of the choices we have made. That's what the situation is. It is your choices that brought you there. So why will you learn from it, especially if they are bad choices? No. Situations, these choices are product of whatever you knew before or acquired knowledge, which may have been true or false, depending on the kind of situation. But if it's wrong, that's why you are there. So the problem, the issue now is change what you know so you can change what you choose. Is that not so? Did you hear what I said? Change what you know so you can change what you know. Write this down. Situation merely reveals our need to learn. Situation does not reveals our need to learn. That's what situation does. And the learning doesn't come from the situation. It comes from the word. Situation merely reveals our need to learn. There is nothing about us. Now, the second thing I was talking about is that some people say, maybe the reason why God is bearing long with me is that God is testing my faith. God is seeing how, how long I will hold on. Let me say something quickly on this. There is nothing about you that is hidden from God. What did I say? God knows you better than you know you. Do you understand that? 
Number one, he created you. So he knows you better than you know you. Keep that in mind. No, some of us behave as if there's a mystery about us that God doesn't get. No, 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 no. Oh, you better wake up from that, that, that dream very fast. There's nothing about you that God doesn't know. There's nothing about us that is hidden from God. He knows the thoughts we think even before we think them. He knows all your thoughts, browsing, and options. He knows them. That is why he wants us to seek him through his word and his spirit so our choices can be informed. God knows the future he has planned for you, but you have acquired some knowledges in your head now that will not make you choose that future. You will choose your own. You will want your own. Are you understanding me? Why do you want your Because you have some information that has made you feel you know better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You just feel you know. You know better. You are stronger. You are very... Yeah, very, when they explain, you say he's a very determined man. He's a very straightforward man. He doesn't look right or look left. When he says he's going this way, he's going this way. <laughs> hey. May you not meet a problem. Did you hear what I said? May you not meet a problem that will remind you that you are but a man. Did you hear what I said? May you not meet one. Because God has an issue with pride. You didn't create yourself. You didn't give birth to yourself. You didn't come to this world by yourself. That should tell you that there's a divine hand behind your existence. So why will you not sit and look at the creator and think you figured life out without him? Why did Paul say we cannot of ourselves think anything as of ourselves? But our qualification is from God. Praise the name of the Lord. So God, listen to this. God is not trying to figure anything about you. He already knows everything about you. Let me say what the Bible says. God already knows our limit of development and dependency in the times of temptation. He knows. He knows how far you can go. By the choices you have made, which is a reflection of the level or the extent of your submission to him and his ways. He knows what you can take in the temptation. Did you hear what I said? He knows. Tell the number say he knows. You don't, don't. Stop behaving as if you know there's something about you that gives God a surprise. He's not surprised, he knows. That's why it's called the omniscient God. He knows everything. All he is doing in his love is to guide you to the path of truth so you can make better choices. Say amen. amen. The chaos in this world today is the product of the human choice. Did you hear what I said? This suit we're having is not people that is doing it. Answer me now. Is it not people that is doing it? Is it not people that he chooses to burn it? Is it not human? Is it demons? It's, demons may give them the suggested true greed, but it's people that are doing it. When arm robbers go and rob, like what happened in uh, Ibadan recently, a, a bullion van was going, and some people went and hijacked it, shot it. I think they killed a police officer, or two police officers, and one, one of them was shot. They went with the dead body. Was it demons that were holding the gun? Eh? Was it not people that sat down, planned it, executed it? Come and talk to me. Is it not people? It's human beings. It's choices. The current situation of the earth today is a reflection of choice. And God understands the consequences of choices. He said in Deuteronomy 13, 19, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your seed may live. So your choice may determine your life or your choice may determine your death. 
It's all about choices. And your choices are product of the information that are in your mind. What is programming your choices? What are you choosing? And can I say this to you? God will respect your choice. Even the choice to kill yourself, he will respect it. Because he gave you a will. So what is he doing? He wants to educate your choice so that you can make choices that are in agreement with his word so you can enter the future that his word has planned for you. Say, I hear you. So God knows. As a matter of fact, God has already gone ahead of us to make a way of escape for us in every temptation. Proving that he already knows how far we can go. Let me read 2 Corinthians 10, 13. I'm going to begin to round up. I'll continue during the second service. He says, there is no temptation taking you. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There is no temptation taking you. Everybody say, no temptation. Temptation means a test or a trial or a challenge. There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Tell anybody say your temptation is common. You know, have you seen the people that like to specialize the, their issues? So you, 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 don't know, you don't know what I'm going through. Have you heard people talk like that before? Only if you know. Only, only if you know. You know the sister, I know they smile for church when they come these days. I used to they laugh. She you know how they laugh before. I know they laugh again. For the last one week, I don't, I don't laugh. Now, because, have you ever asked me what I'm going through? I don't need to ask. It's a common thing. What did I say? You know what common means? It's not only you. Everybody is going through. Because we're not talking, nobody say we're not going through the face. Do you understand what I mean by that? So stop specializing it. The devil will hit you hard on that. God says, there is no temptation you're going through that is not common to man. But God is faithful. I love that. The word faithful means God is dependable. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able to handle? But with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That way to escape in every temptation comes from the word. Where does it come from? Where does it come from? Say with me, say it begins and ends with the word. Yeah. So if you're a believer that doesn't desire the word and doesn't love the word, you will not go far. Amen? Alright, media, put those things I told you to compile. Get them ready. I just want to share them before I stop. Right. When we secure the appropriate knowledge of the truth and act on it, we have secured the way of escape in a situation. Say amen. amen. Yeah. When the Bible says God will with, with the temptation make a way, that way God makes is to bring you to the knowledge of the truth through the word. Because the word is the escape. Tell your neighbor, say the word is my refuge. Say the word is my safe place. Say the word of God is my escape. Say it again. Some of you does not register. Say the word of God is my escape. Hallelujah. Alright, I'm going to stop there. I want to show you some, there are some posts I made. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like these.